0: i lose myself within there's a place where i find myself again dancing with my father god in fields of grace dancing with my father god There's a place where religion finally dies There's a place where I lose my selfish pride yeah. Dancing with my Father God in fields of praise. Dancing with my Father God in fields of Yeah. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. One more time, everybody sing that with With my father, God in fields of grace. So you're glad about the grace of Jesus this morning. I wish I knew when this mountain in my way is gonna move. Hope it's okay to tell the truth. Sometimes the doubt starts to win. I'd feel lying if I told you I was anything but we. Right now my struggle's all I see. But I'm not giving in. My story will not end in defeat. Nothing can stop an unstoppable God. He's not afraid of impossible lies promise that I'm standing on. I'm claiming victory Cause I know who's fighting for me I'm
1: been reading in the Old Testament as I make my way through the Bible this year, and uh, there are so many great stories in the Old Testament, and sometimes um, there are things that come to our attention that help us in this dispensation of grace to understand how God is wanting to connect with us, and I I just want to hold up to you this morning that the faith that we um, have embraced, the faith that has embraced us, it's more than words that you can put on a page. It is spirit. It is spiritual. Um, Paul talked about the mystery of the gospel, and what what he was meaning by that is that there is a dimension of God's moving in our lives that is bigger than we can comprehend. And so it is outside of the boundaries of what we are able to write down or communicate. God is moving in our lives in ways that defy uh, human language. And so sometimes, because that is the truth, we attempt to reduce things to a place where we can create um, a page of information or a formula that represents the grander truth. And sometimes, without us really meaning for it to happen, those things that get written down almost become idols. Um, Where we are so focused on that, a doctrinal statement, for instance. There's nothing wrong with a doctrinal statement, but a doctrinal statement, apart from the living presence of God, is just words on a page. And so as I've been reading through the Old Testament and I see God encountering His people, Moses and Elisha and, and, and all of the rest of the Old Testament saints and patriarchs, when, when I look at how God is is interacting with them, it speaks to me about how God is wanting to connect with us in this day because it, is it not true that God is immutable? He's unchanging. And so if God is unchanging, the way He connected with people thousands of years ago in that Old Testament period of history, the way He interacted with them is an indication of how He might want to connect with me and with you in this current day. Why is that important? It saves us From modern day idolatry, where we have icons and we have things written down, statements, it it saves us from deifying those things to a level that we forget the living presence of God in our midst. Thank the Lord for the way those things help us, but Lord, don't let them become a hindrance. Don't let them keep us from a deeper experience of your living touch upon our lives. God wants to make Himself known in our experience. If you believe that, say amen. He he is always revealing Himself in history. He is so amazing and spectacular that we find such expressions as when Moses said, Lord, let me just see you... God said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by and you cannot look upon my face because if you did, you would die in that moment. It's too too much for you to behold. And so I'll pass by and as you're in the cleft of the rock, I'll give you the opportunity to see my back as I pass by. God wants us to see him, but he wants us to know. That it all happens because of what he orchestrates and what we make ourselves available to. So a couple of passages. One, I want to I tell you about a story in 2 Kings. It's found in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. Elisha has taken the role of the, as the prophet of Israel. Elijah, his master, has been caught up to heaven, uh, made that famous chariot ride into the skies, And now Elisha is the man on the scene. And he is walking with God in such a way that miraculous things are happening in and through Elisha's life. Well, there are some people who um, don't like Elisha even, um, even as they didn't like Elijah. And one of them is the king of Aram. And he does not like Elisha. He does not like Israel and he has set up uh, a plan to, to destroy them, to overtake them. And so he has this plan, the king of Aram has this plan that he will surround <clears throat> the people of God and he's going to wipe them out. And Elisha's servant is one of the ones who is, is wrought over this. Now, I would be wrought, wouldn't you? I mean, he's like, do you see the chariots mounting? I mean... The Arameans are surrounding the people of God, and the prophet of Elisha is like, man, we, we're, we're done for. There's no way out of this. They've, they've laid siege to, to our people, to our city, and we. it's just a matter of time until we're taken out. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses... And chariots had surrounded the city. And the servant said to Elisha, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, and this is my prayer for us. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see there was a reason Elisha was saying the ones who are with us are more than those who are against us. Because Elisha's eyes had been opened to the angelic chariots that were surrounding the enemy. Somebody, I'm going to need a bottle of water this morning. I'm preaching. Who's going to make that move? He's got it, okay. Whew. All right, let me take a break, and I'm going to come back to it. We've got a little miracle baby here. Grandma and Mommy, would you bring Ross up here? We've got a little miracle baby. Another little miracle baby. Brinley's a miracle baby. And Ross. We've prayed for this fella. Look at there. Turn, turn him around. Look at there. Now, how many surgeries has he had? Four open heart surgeries. Four open heart surgeries. The last
0: time he was in heart failure, he wasn't going to make it. And then y'all prayed. Well,
1: I, I'm looking at him, and I'm having heart failure. How about y'all? Hey, little buddy. Hey, little buddy. Lord, thank you for Ross. Keep your hand on him. The Lord is with you, bud. Thank you. Love you. That's Maddie back there, right? Yeah, okay. I thought it was Martina. Look at there. Ask and you shall receive. Now I need somebody to hold this mic. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just give it. Thank you, Philip. Love, Philip. Elisha prayed... Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Y'all pray the devil out of my throat. throat. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And then you can read the rest of that. But the point of me sharing that this morning is that We need our spiritual eyes opened to the presence of the Lord. And it's not a matter of us determining that we will open our eyes. Yes, we need to make ourselves available. But there is miracle aspects to our eyes being opened that are in the hands of God. But I will tell you this that those who will humble themselves before the Lord will see what they would not otherwise see. Humility throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament is key. In other words, when we get to a place that life has left us undone, that we admit we're undone. When sin has taken us captive that we that we acknowledge I am I am taken captive by the enemy. In other words, that we get to the place that that we understand that it is not our spiritual prowess that allows us to be positioned for the miraculous, but it is our humble stance before an almighty God that opens us to the possibility of impossible things happening in our lives to His glory. I need to be opened to the presence of the Lord. I need to know that He is near. I need to know that He is able. I need to know that I am not enough. I need to know that He is not looking for me to perform at some level that will cause some exciting thing to happen, but He is just wanting me like a child. That's why He said the kingdom is all about children because children just trust their parents to take care of them. What, What young child worries about the electric bill being paid? What, what young child is concerned about whether or not in an affluent society such as ours that supper will be on the table? And I, and I know people go through hardships and I get that, but what I'm saying is it is the faith of a child that believes that the parent is able to address whatever needs to be addressed in their behalf. Humility opens us To see the grandness of God's presence in our lives. And so as I was reading in in Exodus this week, I came across this nugget in Exodus 33, verses 14 through 17, I'm going to share with you. Before we get to verse 14, Moses has said to the Lord, we will not move from any spot until we know that your presence goes before us. Why would we go anywhere, Lord, without you? And then we find these words. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Is there not a sweet rest that comes with knowing God is with me? God is in control. God knows what I need. God's going to get me through this hard spot. God's going to deliver me to that desired end that has become the hope of my life. Moses responded to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Listen to this. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? How how will anyone know that we're your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And I thought, okay, Lord, what does that word pleased mean? Because I know that it doesn't have to do with the effort of Moses. I know it doesn't have to do with the fact that he did everything perfectly. Because Moses, he didn't do everything perfectly. We don't do everything perfectly. God's not saying, Moses, I'm pleased with you because you've done everything that could ever be expected of you. That's not what he's saying. And so I went back and I looked up what the word meant. And the word pleased there is initiated in the person of God not in the person of Moses. And what the Lord is saying is I have decided because of my love for you and for the people that I am going to favor you. Folks, there's a difference between God and his love favoring me and God being pleased with what I've done. Do you do you see do you see what I'm trying to bring this morning? In in other words, God is saying to Moses, I love you. I love the people that have been delivered from Egypt. Because I love you. It is my pleasure to go with you, to go before you, to be in the middle of you, to follow behind you. It is my pleasure I love Chick-fil-A. And I love their culture. They come around, they fill your, your tea cup, and you say thank you, and what do they say? My pleasure. That is an awesome culture. There, do you know there's a lot of difference between saying my pleasure and no trouble, no problem? I mean, it just shifts Everything. Now, sometimes when they say, my pleasure, you believe it. And in other times, you know they're going to get fired if they don't say it. But when God says, my pleasure, God means it's my pleasure. And when God says to Moses, I am pleased with you. I, I have found favor with you. I love you. I will go with you. He says, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I know you, Moses. I know Aaron. I know Miriam. I know all of them. I I know all of the people. I think, God, I think God was pleased that Moses wanted the, the, the distinguishing factor about this nation that God had chosen for himself, that he wanted it to be, that God was with him. that That's an honorable thing. It really is. That Moses just really wanted to be known in the world as a man of God. That he wanted to be known as the people of God. Lord, you, you must go with us. In other words, when God moves in our lives and He shows us His presence, it, it brings us to this place that we we get it, we, we understand that, that this is not just a, it's not just about doing things, it's about being his people The Bible says that all of us have fallen short of God's glory and it's called sin all of us The Bible says in that same book of Romans that and it's quoting the Old Testament it say it says that Our righteousnesses are like filthy rags in the presence of God. In other words, when I have done and you have done the very best that we can do, it still doesn't measure up. I remember when I was involved in Evangelism Explosion, they taught us this illustration to use as we would share the gospel with someone. It was called the omelet illustration. And so you told the person that if you're making a three-egg omelet, and two of the eggs are good, and one of them is rotten. What's that going to do to the omelet? You know omelet. You mix those eggs all together. I mean, the rotten egg is in with the good eggs, and ultimately you end up with a rotten omelet because it has permeated the other two good eggs. And it it was an illustration to say that even if the good outweighs the bad in us, any hint of bad has tainted our lives, and so in that sense, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags because there's still that that part of us that is darkened by sin. Over in Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a, the church in Colossae, uh, a community in in um, in Greece that has become express faith in Christ, they've become a church. He's writing back to them, and he says to them in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And when you put it all together, what, what Paul is saying is, the hope of glory, God's glory being restored in you, is not doing religious things. It is allowing Christ entrance into your life. Because Jesus living on the inside of us is the hope of God's glory being restored in us. And so how important is it for us at this time in our lives to recognize that the mystery of the gospel has to do with the living presence of God that moves into our lives at our invitation, and now He does things in us that distinguish us in society as being a people who belongs to Him. No wonder Moses' prayer was, Lord, please, as we continue our march toward the promised land, go with us. Because, Lord, if we are not your people, we're just another group of people in the midst of of society. But, Lord, if you are with us, we are your people. We are God's people. Not because we deserve it, but because in your grace you have chosen us. And then the Apostle Paul writes in in Corinthians and says that we carry with us the presence of Christ. As believers, we carry with us the presence of Christ wherever we go. And that presence of Christ becomes the definition of who we are. Those of you who are the earthen vessels that carry around the living presence of Jesus, don't ever forget, when you walk in to a group of people, you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference. Not because you've always gotten it perfectly right, but because you carry in you the one who is perfectly right. Lord, don't let us leave this church today without your presence. Because if we leave here without your presence, we're just people in the midst of people. But if we leave here with your presence, if the prayer of Moses becomes our prayer and it's answered in our experience, when we walk into our worlds this week, God will make Himself known in and through our lives. And when all is said and done, and you get to the end of your life, you will find that the thing that really mattered is that you carried Jesus into those circles of involvement that you were a part of. And you didn't know it, because we tend to take those things for granted. But because of Jesus in you, you were set apart in the eyes of others, they noticed something. They noticed your conversation was different. They noticed that your interactions were different. They noticed when others tended to be cynical, you tended to have a hope. They noticed that when others... We're tearing people down. You were speaking words of love. And it was all because He went with you. He was in you. He distinguished you as one who belonged to Him. There are times because of the Scripture's influence on my life, like the one about Elisha's servant and this about Moses' prayer, that I find myself asking the Lord, Lord, would you please make me more aware of your presence? Would you please, Lord, help me to see beyond the obvious? Would you please, Lord, help me to know that you are here and that you're up to something redemptive. He's always redeeming those He loves. It'd be neat this week if you could have your eyes open like Elisha's servant had his eyes open that day. You know, where he went from seeing The Aramean chariots of war, where he went from seeing only those to seeing the chariots of fire, more numerous, surrounding the Arameans. Because when that happens, even if there are forces against you, you walk away from that saying, so what? If God's for us, what power do they have over us? The presence of the Lord is a game changer. Our awareness of His presence is the ability to play the game of life differently. I mean, it is. When you see Him, it changes everything, it changes how you see yourself, it changes how you see others. It changes what you would do in any given situation. Lord, open our eyes. Don't let us go anywhere this week, Lord, without your presence. Save us from the enemy, but Lord, save us from our short-sightedness. Help us to be able to know for sure that a power rests on us, not because of our performance, but because of your love, and in your love you have favored us period. You have favored us. We belong to you. You take care of those who belong to you. What the enemy means for destruction you will make a stepping stone to that which is even more glorious. Open our eyes of faith. Fill us with your presence. Help us this week to have those moments when we are suddenly and supernaturally made aware of the fact that you are living on the inside of us. Don't let us go from this place without you.